The Major Spoilers podcast is sponsored in part by the Mid-Ohio Con, October 3rd and 4th in Columbus, Ohio. For more information, visit midohiocon.com. The show is also sponsored in part by Past Generation Toys. Past Generation Toys has a large selection of Star Wars, G.I. Joe, and Marvel toys. Visit them on the web at pastgenerationtoys.com. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. This is something that's really weird. Have you guys... What else is new? Well, I mean, it kind of ties into the discussion from the last episode where we were talking about Batman being brainwashed. Mm-hmm. What's the longest that you guys have gone without sleep? Or being sleep-deprived? Not long. Probably maybe... Ten hours. Uh, I'd say... Well, it depends what you... Like, like, the period during which I would actually say that I was actually clinically sleep deprived right not that long probably about 10 hours oh really like but i mean obviously previously to that there was like almost or basically an entire 48 hour period during okay, which so like, like two days of, where you didn't kind sleep. of yeah okay all right that's, Matt, that's what i'm saying okay matthew have you ever what's the longest you've gone without sleep um uh two Three, four, five days. Five days. Wow, you're yeah. outlasting some even the longest ones. What happened? I was, a, I was a Looney Tune. What happened to you? The longest I've gone was was four days. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I was working on a project like eight years ago, a video project that had a tight deadline, and oh. I was literally up for you know four days straight trying to edit this project and do my other jobs and and whatnot. And at the end of that four days, there was some weird stuff going on. <laughs> it looked like the ending to heavy metal. Have you seen Barton Fink? <laughs> yeah. Did you not, get on a magic like flying that. convertible and fly away? What What happened to you? I want to hear what happened to you, Matthew, and then I'll relate my story because mine may, may just be weird and you guys may just think I'm insane. At the time, I was working you in a college? day job. Oh, no. This was after I moved to Topeka, actually. Okay. I was working a day job. And I was also working a night job. And then I was also an idiot. So <laughs> when I would come home very, from the day that job, a I would energy. not feel it tired. Does. Right. So I would not rest. And it got to the point where uh, it, it was basically over a weekend. My regular day job, which was actually a night job, neither here nor there, my regular job involved me working a 40-hour week between Thursday night and Monday morning. So I would go into master control at 9 p.m. Thursday night. I'd come back out at 9 a.m. the next morning. I'd come back in that next evening. I'd work all the way through like 3 a.m. Saturday. Then I'd be back probably around noon on Sunday. Then I'd work the overnight into Monday. And then Monday, of course, I went to my regular job. And then Tuesday night, I went back to the night job for a short day. And then I went back Wednesday for another day of my job, which was at the time just data entry. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've ever done data entry. Data entry alone. I, I run a website called Major Spoilers where all we do is enter data. Really? All I day long. I don't I know if it's you've quite ever good. actually done data entry three, three where you sit for hours and hours year. and hours. And all you do is just type social security numbers yeah. or 
You type, you know, things that don't even mean anything. Not even like, you know, granted, there is a comparison. But when I sit down to write something for the website, I'm I'm allowed to have my wits about me. Right. Whereas when I'm doing, you know, a data entry, I'm going to, here is a flu shot claim, here is the social security number, you know, there's nothing, nothing going on there, but here's some numbers, here's some numbers, here's some numbers. So I started listening to music obsessively, and I would listen to the radio, and I would listen to my little, you know, at the time, we didn't have MP3 players. So I would listen to my little, you know, portable thing in the thingamathing. Yeah, there was a thing called a Walkman, Rodrigo. I know what a Walkman was. <laughs> you have to remember that I did grow up in Mexico, which is oh, right. at any given point between two and ten years behind, depending on what you're talking about. Okay. So I did have a Walkman growing up. Okay. <laughs> so I had my Walkman. Yeah. And... um it got to the point where I, I don't know if you've ever heard Boston's third stage album. Yeah. Boston third stage is a very, very trippy little album in a way. And it has these, there's, there's a point, there's a song called cool. The engines that starts with a simulated rocket taking off. Right. Right. Okay. So I'm sitting there and I'm, and I am literally, my brain is not functional. This is this is obvious that my brain is not functional. Right. And I realize I have made covers. a mistake in not going to bed. So I'm listening to this, and then my brain starts going off on this tangent about what that rocket must look like. <laughs> and I completely lost, lost touch with reality and had this completely vivid, realistic image of this 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 Saturn V rocket. And I don't know because it felt like it was forever. It felt like it was this long, long, and I, I've listened to it and the transition into that song is maybe eight, nine seconds, but it felt like hours and hours and hours of this vivid life changing experience with this rocket. And am I going to space? And then, you know, not even really thinking about it and just being in awe on this, this, this moment where my brain is just like, you are involved in a moving experience. This is this is amazing. And then I come back and apparently I've just been sitting there half asleep and drooling for yeah. how long I don't know. But it was to this day, I really seriously there there's I believe a thought process that states that your mind is incapable of telling the difference between the real yeah. and the truly vividly imagined experience. Right. That's what happened here. There's a part of my mind that my rational brain will be like, okay, that didn't happen. And there's part of my brain that goes, yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. We were there. There was a rocket. It was, it was, it was a rocket. Rocket, there's remember? A part... It's a rocket. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a part of my brain that cannot be in any way convinced that we were not actually there that day near the rocket, you know, rocket, rocket. Have you, um, have you ever read Robert Anton Wilson? He's the guy that wrote the Illuminatus trilogy with mm -hmm. uh, Robert Shea, I think is his name. Why are all these Shea writers named Robert? I don't know because it's rocks, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, he wrote a bunch of books. Uh, I forget the time. I know they were collected. I've got some of them on the shelf. But he talks about his experiments with um, hallucinogenic drugs. Mm -hmm. 
And he talks about, at a certain point, I forget which drug it was, either magic mushrooms or a, a LSD or something, but he talks about the little gnomes that come out and start talking to you mm, and telling you the LSD. secrets of... Which one? That would be LSD. Okay. Come out and talk and tell you the secrets of the universe and all these kinds of things and how, as you're approaching that moment, other things start to happen. This is where people say the, the walls are turning colors and you can hear music and see music and all these kinds of things. <laughs> and you hear a weird buzzing. Mm-hmm. For four yeah. days, I was in an edit booth and going back and forth to teaching and all these other things. But at night when I'm there at you know midnight, 2 a.m. editing, I've got the air conditioner cranked like down to 50 degrees just so I would stay awake. At day three, I started hearing like this permanent ringing in my ears. And I was like, what is that? It's like I hear some kind of music or something. What is that? And I kept looking around for this noise. I kept stopping the edit because I was like, did I put a sound effect in there? What's going on? Mm-hmm. And literally trying to track it down. Uh, by the end of the third and third and a half moment going into the fourth day of, of no sleep, the patterns, you know, like this pattern of my carpet, how it's got some light and dark areas mm-hmm. uh, or the pattern of a mottled tile started moving. Nice. I would just look at it and you could see them. You could see them starting to, first they're just kind of shimmering, you know, just kind of dancing in place. Mm-hmm. And then they started moving around and forming pictures to the point where one of them actually turned into a little face. And I couldn't hear what it was saying, but you could see it's, it, I mean, it wasn't like a human face. It was like if you took a squiggle and mm-hmm. you squiggled out kind of a squiggly face. It had eyes and it had a mouth, but it was trying to talk to me and I could see the mouth opening and closing and trying what, to say was stuff it friendly? to me. It seemed friendly. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like it was trying to eat my ankles or anything. I mean, gotcha. this is the, I mean, it could have, I suppose, if it wanted to. But I was, like, fascinated, and I was just sitting there kind of giggling to myself, going, oh, look at all this. Oh, look at this. Oh, what are you trying to tell me, little guy? Nice. What are you trying to do, little fella? And it was the most bizarre thing that I'd ever experienced in my life. And then, of course, the project ended, and I went to sleep, and I've never experienced that again. Mm-hmm. I want to. <laughs> I want to go to that point again and see what happens if I go with that sleep deprivation. And is the floor, am I going to have the exact same experience? Or was that just an experience of my mind at the time and just starting to hallucinate that stuff? Well, I mean, sleep deprivation, like self-inflicted pain, all that stuff, it's it's a way to like actually expand your thought processes and things like that. The reason right. why people go to drugs is because it's a lot easier yeah, to yeah, do. Yeah, to do that, yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, monks who starve themselves for yeah, days and, and days and yeah, days yeah, and, and days and, and days, themselves, that's yeah. exactly what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is something that can be achieved, and it's a little dangerous. Oh, of course it is, because, um, you know, uh, there are people that die from sleep deprivation. Exactly. That's why I was having the air conditioning on full blast, so I could just stay awake. Mm-hmm. Art Bell, um, famous radio uh, announcer does a talk show talked about when he was in Vietnam, Korea, I forget what he was running a radio station there and he had to bet how long could he go. And he said about day six, he was taking cold cans of soda and putting them on his carotid artery just so he could wake up. Wow. But he was talking about having some of those same experiences too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, all of my sleep deprivation experiences are usually punctuated by migraines. Uh, so I can't usually like, I can stay focused but it's there's always this like it's like having a railroad spike through my head. So mm-hmm. I've never gotten to that point because there's nothing like if I ever look away from what I'm doing, there's nothing but pain there. Oh, okay. 
I, Matthew, did you ever have little things start talking to you in that experience? Or did you just say, mm, I need sleep, nah. I'm going home? Well, here's the thing. This is a public forum. Uh-huh. Right, right. So I, I will say that I have never had that experience because of sleep deprivation. Okay. <laughs> However, when I was in college, we had some awesome sandwiches. Ah. And uh, my yeah. friend said to me, he was from Texas, so he was inherently funny. One day he said, you need to try this sandwich. And I said, oh, really? Seriously? Whatever. He's like, no, man, you need to try this sandwich. And I'm like, what's so great about the sandwich? And he looks at me and he says two words. He says, shit melts. <laughs> so Arlie, you know, Arlie gave me the sandwich. And I had the sandwich and um, I was sitting in my dorm room, room 227 of Agnew Hall, which apparently that. is scheduled to be demolished, and I'm very upset. Yes, it, it is. is. It is. Agnew Hall. Room, t- room 227 room is going to be dis- demolished. I'm the rest of the building is going to stay there. on the floor. Okay. Next to the door. And the door has that, that pattern that all the wood in Agnew had, which is processed. We want it to look like pine, but it's not pine. And the door started telling me a joke. And it was the funniest joke I had ever heard. See, that's an. It was a wonderful joke. And to this day, and I'm telling you this right now, knowing, knowing that the, you know, the exact, I'm a little bit pissed off because I cannot remember the joke. The, the door told me some of the funniest jokes I had ever heard, and I can't remember them. Well, see, that's the thing that I've heard about people that are. That's what I heard about people who take hallucinogenics is that they are told. I never took hallucinogenics, I had a sandwich. No, I'm just saying, not your experience. I'm saying people right, right, who right. have. People who don't get That's high right, off of mayonnaise right, is what right. I'm saying. Yeah. What's that word? Mayonnaise. Oh, okay. Miracle whip. <laughs> people who do take hallucinogenics. Not Matthew, because Matthew would never do drugs, because drugs are bad, kid. Drugs are bad. Drugs are bad. But okay. people who do Comment take hallucinogenics, they do have these experiences where the first thing that the little gnome or whatever tells them is a joke that they can't remember, but it's the funniest well, damn joke they've ever heard. And and you know why that is, barring actual supernatural possibilities, it's because it's not that, well, haha, it's not. It's because, <laughs> it's not that the joke is so funny, it's that you perceive this little gnome and the little gnome goes, and then your brain is just firing in such random directions that it triggers something and you just start Mm -hmm. laughing uncontrollably and you remember it as it being the funniest thing in the world. But it's just your brain doing things. It's why people break down crying and they can't remember why. It's because something else fired in some different direction and and now it was really sad. I wish Matthew would have shared that sandwich with me back then. He didn't think you were cool people. yet. Probably not. I wasn't back. You cool. wouldn't, yeah, cool. you wouldn't have eaten a sandwich. You, well, if you, you would have just like told her. me, if you would have just said, hey, man, I'm going to sit you down here and I want you to eat this. You know, here's a sandwich, man. I'm sharing my sandwich with you. You didn't tell well, me. Well, first of all, you didn't tell me I don't what, know was, if you what know kind this. of mayonnaise. This, this, <laughs> I, I made $4 an hour and these sandwiches weren't cheap. <laughs> if you but, told me I'm sharing my mayonnaise and, you know, lathered sandwich with you. I had a friend down the hall who grew a different kind of sandwich in his in his. Closet. Uh, I remember that guy getting unlamp, metaphor straining. <laughs> Neither here nor there. I, you know, I don't. Uh, I don't think I would. You know, to experience that again, I don't think I would take drugs. Mm-hmm. But you hear you you see movies like Altered States, and you read books like that, or you read uh, uh, what's his name? Um, what's the big hippie drug guy from the sixties? Timothy Leary. Tim- Timothy Leary stuff, and you're like, 
I wonder if. You should go see the movie Skidoo, which is the worst movie ever. And it actually has Groucho Marx in it. And some people say he was actually on LSD during the film. Ah, cool. Which kind of brings me. Which kind of brings me then to um, Robert Howard, this picture mm-hmm. that I put up. I don't know how many Robert E. Howard pictures there exist out there. Four. Is that? Did you look them all up? No. Seven. But uh, it was just the one that everybody sees is his little like gangster fedora. Mm-hmm. I've got the stern look. I'm sad going... eyes. The sad can eyes you, of a man you... out of time. Can you look at this picture and do you see sad eyes? What does that picture tell you from across the universe? Yeah, see, I'm taking over this town, see? And me and my nephew, Berserko, we're going to be running things a little different, yeah. It says words are flowing out like endless rain into a paper cup. That's what it tells me. I I look at this and I'm trying to see... What? I think he's he's trying to be emo. No. Oh, yeah, I'm trying to be emo. Steven said, what does this picture tell you across the universe? Yeah. Right. Words are flowing out like endless rain into a paper cup. <laughs> First line of Across the Universe. <laughs> By the fucking Beatles! <laughs> Can you tell that this is Rodrigo a guy that's... the f <laughs> Can you tell that this guy is deeply depressed? Doomed One for suicide? Us, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I no, think you can't. Uh, you can't tell. You can say, oh... Well, that's why he's sad. That's why he looks that way. I couldn't say True. that. Oh, yep, it's suicide. It's an implication, I guess. Or an inference rather than an implication. Uh, yeah. I just, I, I wonder if I had been sleep deprived and looked at this photo, mm-hmm. what would happen? Would I say, Robert Howard, why are you so sad, man? He and what does little mouth start opening and closing on? He would say, well, Stephen, yeah, let me tell you about Steven, the Hyperion age. Thing, and why you should avoid lizard people and your boss is a lizard man. Go kill him now. Kill him now. He would say, um, well, let me tell you what my good friend H.P. Lovecraft told me once. Yeah, yeah. Cthulhu <laughs> <laughs> Lachayim. you oh, say Cthulhu Lachayim? Because I don't think that's right. <laughs> oh, it isn't? No. I'm pretty sure that's Yiddish. Yeah. Cthulhu did not speak Yiddish. That we know of. I'm sure he knows Yiddish. Well, man, I wonder... I'm trying to look up really quick to see if if there was ever a reference that he used drugs or if he ever went into an altered state. I thought there was. Well, you know, this is the early 1900s. Well, yeah, where Coke was actually... Cocaine was actually put in your Coca-Cola. And cocaine was the cure for your migraines. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but... There was a time when aspirin was not available over the counter. Mm-hmm. It was considered too powerful. You know what she got instead? Heroin. Yeah. Nice. Heroin was sold over the counter. Aspirin required a prescription. The world was backwards. I, I'm reading this uh, bit that said, Howard's letters and writings indicate that he believed the prevailing propaganda of the time that marijuana was both highly addictive and... Made people violent and could be enslaved by simple consumption. Howard's knowledge of marijuana appears to come from literary sources and propaganda of the time. According to El Sprague de Camp, Howard did drink a lot, but he rarely got drunk and he never smoked. Interesting. So Howard probably didn't do drugs. Probably not. To get into his... I don't know. I believe... Well, didn't Howard... Like, believe that he was somehow channeling stories that happened from another universe, though? I believe that's right. Mm-hmm. I wonder and if I was... believe, 
I believe that that implies that he may not have needed drugs to have that altered state. I mean, he had that kind of artistic, and what you think don't. of as that artistic nature where he's a little bit disassociated and the things that go on in his head are so overwhelming mm-hmm. that there's no need for any additional, you know, wackadoo because he's got worlds stuck in his brain right now that are going to make him weirder than anyone, you know, who has a sandwich. I wonder if being in some kind of altered state, whether it be drug-induced or whether it be natural, like sleep deprivation, uh, has an impact on people that have told great stories or not so great stories. It, I mean, there's, I mean, there's some certainly there's some points definite, where it is. I mean, we look a at two thousand and one: A Space Odyssey, for example. There's a definite correlation between a lot of great artists putting out like their best work or some of the greatest work and having been drugged out of their minds. The Beatles. The mm-hmm. Beatles is are a great example. Um, Kurt Cobain, exactly. That doesn't necessarily mean Grant that it Morrison. was it was the drugs that did it. Of course, right. it means that these guys were already great. It's just that being in that state has put them there. I have written certain. I've I've written stuff, stories, poetry, stuff like that, and a lot of uh, the stuff that I consider to be my best work has come when I can't sleep. I just rolled out of my migraine. I have so much caffeine in my system because the medicine has a lot of caffeine and I'm like mm-hmm. extremely sensitive to it at that point. Mm-hmm. And then I just have nothing to do. I just sit down and write and two hours later, I have like four pages of stuff. And you're like, Bzzz. do you hear is buzzing? That, you hear I, don't, buzzing? I don't hear buzzing. It's, it's not quite that, Bzzz. it's not quite that altered a state because, you know, caffeine is psychoactive, but it's right. not that. It just right. gives me like this constant flow. And, and and I think in a lot of ways, that's what a lot of these drugs end up doing. It just opens up the floodgates and facilitates it for people to just start rambling and then their cool friend is sitting there with like a steno thing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Writing what the crap John Lennon saying. Well, I think that some of the more... Well, look at it this way. When I get up in the morning on a Monday morning and I get in my Chrysler and I go to the quick shop, and I realize, I realize, you know, I'm I'm balancing my checkbook. I'm getting ready to go in and put together my strategic value trackers to make sure that my team are each selling precisely four hundred and four dollars and fifty cents per call or more. You know, and when I get back from that, I sit down and I say to myself, "Well, I should read something, and then maybe write something for the website." And if I were to take, say, a sandwich. And take that moment and disassociate my brain from the day-to-day housework, from that whole, is the, you know, what's going on with the checkbook? Should I get the car fixed? You know, I need to have somebody look at the van. It's sounding funny. What the heck is going on with, you know, Sarah and why is she flipping out? And Stacy's having a bad day and one of my agents tried to quit. If I take all of that noise out... And I just sit there and I'm dealing with whatever is in my brain. You have to think that it's kind of, it's, it's a question, you know, break it down to left channel and right channel in mm-hmm. some way. I've turned off the left channel and I'm just listening to the right channel. And, you know, if you're just listening to the right channel, it's an entirely different experience. It's all about just that, that creative bonanza that happens when your brain is not overwhelmed with the minutia of oh my feet hurt should we fuck the waitress you know what i mean mm-hmm. and well yeah you've, you've essentially you've you've either taken the noise out of the channel 
or you've taken the channel away and now you're just listening to the noise. And there are sometimes where that chaos, that, that noise, that disassociation from reality allows you to come up with something that you never would have thought of. It's, mm-hmm. if you but look at, say, I guess, the, I, I guess what I'm trying to find the answer to is, do we need to be, is there a way to achieve that altered state without putting ourselves in danger? Je- in no. danger. No, there isn't. I don't think so. I think that in a way, in its own way, sleep deprivation is as dangerous oh, it is. As, as sandwich abuse. Believe me, and- I was scared to drive I was scared to drive home on that fourth day because I didn't know if that thing that was out in front of my car was a real person. Or an imagined or a mind, person, a lifeless ghost dog roller skating across. Well, this the one would have been a five-year-old on w- roller skates. So you know, nice. it was like I was like to the point where I don't think I was, I wasn't married yet. I don't know if I'd met my wife yet. So no, I couldn't have been because mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been four days without sleep without her stepping in and doing something. So right. you know, I didn't have anybody to call to say drive me home. But when we look at the creatives, Grant Morrison, I think, has has mentioned that. I don't know if he uses drugs or if he goes into some deep meditation. But we see people that have, you know, um, um, Quentin Tarantino admits mm-hmm. to smoking incredible amounts of hash mm-hmm. to to inspire him, to get him going. Well, y- you, we, we've talked about some of the others, the Beatles, these others. Can you, You're talking about your own mm-hmm. semi-drug-induced altered state that leads to your creativity. Well, not will it. I mean, it, it, it's not for that purpose. No, but no, no. I'm it, not saying it, that yeah. you force yourself to have a migraine but just so you can write four pages there, of stuff. There are people who can achieve that kind of creativity. And, you know, to some degree, the people that we mentioned have achieved creativity mm-hmm. and great works of creativity without the drugs. But... There are also people who are of the opinion that the drugs unlock something for them. Mm-hmm. George Carlin, a few years before he died, did an interview, I think it was with, uh, strangely enough, John Stewart, where they talked about George's marijuana use mm-hmm. and what George, you know, what George did over the years. And George said that, you know, in his late 60s, he didn't always smoke a joint, but he, there was always one near him. And what he liked to do then was go sit down, write the joke, formulate the joke. And then get out the lighter and it's punch up time. Mm, mm-hmm. You know, you, you can write the joke and then maybe you put yourself in that weird state and you look at it in a different manner. Now, I'm not it, I can't really say one way or the other. My personal experiences and activities to the contrary or, you know, however you look at it, they're not even important here. It's like my politics. We don't discuss my politics. I don't think I ever have. Probably not going to. You know, I had a sandwich. Anarchist. Once. He believes. I had in, a sandwich once. He believes but, in a Deacon Blackfire's idea oh, society. Okay. All right. I had a sandwich once. Let the hobo That's fine. The street. I, I think I said the other day on the facey space that I don't need to know about your religion. Your relationship with the great beyond is your own damn problem. I had a sandwich once, and there are people who believe that having a sandwich or you know doing something even more sandwichy somehow unlocks something for them mm-hmm. and. I don't necessarily know that that mindset is true or not. I haven't really sat down and imagined it. I know that um, when I was in college, some of my favorite D&D sessions would start with someone handing me a bottle of tequila. And I would take a couple of good shots of tequila, and I'd take a few moments, and I'd gather my wits about me, 
and get slightly more plastered, never to the point where I was incoherent, but slightly more plastered as we went to where it was just something, you know, your mind would do that. And that's how we ended up fighting Elvis and Beetlejuice and Hitler on the outskirts of hell. But it was fun. It well, was I'm something... not. I'm not trying to turn this into a you know. No, hey, a... kids, use drugs, and you're going to turn into oh, the next Stan Lee. No, no, no. I'm not but trying I'm to say that, that. But I'm just trying it to was, say it was a different experience doing that yeah. than it would be. You know, Julian, sitting there. Julian's I not may not have come up with Elvis, Beetlejuice, and Hitler walking on the streets of hell. You must be this tall to listen to this <laughs> podcast. No, he's a tall kid. Oh, okay. You must yeah. be this old to listen to this podcast. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I'm just, you know, I just, I, I've tried meditation. Uh, for for a while oh. back in early 2000, 2001, I was really into kind of being very meditative, not religious but, meditative, but, but inner reflective meditative. Well, but I could never turn on. Did somebody teach you to meditate, or yeah, were you yeah, just yeah. like I was going through some okay. learning to meditate? Okay, because you know, breathing. You know, the... some people are like, oh, I tried meditation or whatever, and like, did, no, no, did you mean... just like curl up in a corner and like? Try really hard to meditate. No, no, no. That's it was, to no, it. it was, it was, and a lot of it I'm was meditating, guided. I'm meditating. I'm meditating. I was guided meditation. Oh, good. Too. Okay. Okay. And, See, I but I never, never experienced that. I never yeah. experienced that like I did when I was deprived for sleep well, for four days. Meditation. If you don't want to use drugs, meditation is the safest way to do it. But by by the inverse, it's also the hardest way to do it. Yeah. Because it's it's working in exactly the opposite direction rather than working your body up so hard that you that that your body just can't contain your own brain anymore you're actually going in the opposite direction you're relaxing to the point you're, mm-hmm. you know you're you're lowering your biorhythm to a point yeah. where you can actually willingly go in and unlock things. Right. And that's, and that's, what that's a lot what harder tried to do and before. takes a lot more time. Yeah, I've tried to do that before where I get into a state where I try to tap into that. Mm-hmm. You know, the closest I've come is being able to make something disappear to my mind mm-hmm. where it's like, I know that that is sitting there, but I don't see it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I've never been able to make the gnomes come out and say, hey, Stephen, I want to tell you the greatest joke in the world. Uh, the, maybe the I'm thing not, is, maybe I haven't well, tried hard enough. Maybe some of our listeners will say, you need to try harder. Well, and the gnomes might be symptomatic of specifically the sleep deprivation. True. Whereas through meditation, or, you or might find out. Right. You might find out exactly what that funny joke was or exactly how to actually trigger that own hilarity reaction in your own brain without resorting to the gnomes. But I think the one of the underlying questions that's almost impossible to answer is what that state really entails, whether it's mm-hmm. about the meditation and or the sandwich and or, you know, the disconnection or whether it's just about something endemic to the human condition. Did John Lennon write these songs because John Lennon was, you know, on drugs? Or did John Lennon write these songs because John Lennon had this creativity within him and the drugs allowed him to break down and stop worrying about, you know, everything about being John Lennon and just sit there and go, oh, yeah, right, okay. And then we threw Ringo out of the band. <laughs> you know, whatever. It is. John Lennon doesn't talk like that, I know. But No, right now he'd be talking like, Oh. <laughs> oh, Steve. God. Steve, you had to go there. <laughs> Sorry. You had to go there. Sorry. I think, I think sleep deprivation and meditation are actually very similar because what a meditative state is, at least in my experience, is minimizing or removing sensory input mm-hmm. to the point where your brain is forced to turn, kind of, you know, take an inward tack. And in some cases, it 
responds to that lack of input by creating something to focus upon. Right. You know, you're looking, you're, you're, you're soaking in the water and you're looking at that blank wall above you and your brain is just like, well, I'm bored. Let's bring yeah, out let's the naked bring out women. some colors and the things. Yeah. That's what My the premise behind always... the movie Altered States is about. Mm-hmm. Have you have well, either yeah. of you have either of you done a sleep deprivation? Or I mean not a sleep deprivation, but a deprivation tank? Mm-mm. No. Matthew? Yeah, un- inadvertently sort of turned off the lights with the candles all around you in the tub and fell asleep. No, uh, my mom lived on a farm and I I you know was in a tank floating. <laughs> <laughs> It was actually, I think, a silage tank or something, but I was in a tank float, and it was awesome. Okay. But also, (laughs) shut up. Also, you, if you look at, you know, the, the, the artists who are known to have experimented with these things, a lot of times, and I won't say every time, because there are probably thousands of schmucks out there who are writing, you know, jello jingles that, they came up with because, hey, look at this. I had the best sandwich. It was blue. I don't know what it was. But if you look at you like you know names like Kurt Cobain and John Coltrane and guys who took, like specifically in those two cases, heroin. Right. They were trying to overcome physical pain, trying to, do, again, divorce themselves from that noise to channel whatever creativity there was. So, you know, whatever is going on in your head, sometimes I think the the thought process, at least for some people, is I can't, you know, I can't do this without getting away from whatever it is, be it sleep deprivation, be it your meditation, or, you know, be it a big bag of, you know, black tar heroin. I don't know. Again, I am not going to tell anybody to ever do anything. I can't even keep kosher. So... And, you know, that's what's really funny is I'm only vaguely Jewish. But that's not the point. Culturally Jewish is what you're looking for. (laughs) Shut up. You never know. (laughs) Sometimes when you get to talking, you reach that state where your mind just shuts off. And you've reached that meditative state and things just fly out of your face. I don't know. I'm wondering if that's what this whole episode has been about. I really think it is because it's kind of a down a, a lane that I didn't know we'd go down. But even so, you have to take it from that sleep that sleep deprivation moments that I've had are usually all about you're so tired that those normal, you know, those boundaries or those blinders, if you will, aren't there. They say that if you remembered every minute of your life, you'd not only be bored, you'd probably be crazy. Your memory selectively omits things. You know, I drive the same route to work pretty much every day. Yeah. I, oh, I, yeah, today, you phase out. You know, I do this or, you, you know, you go to McDonald's and you have your hamburger. You're not going to remember every single thing, but you'll remember what happened on a specific day. Okay. You'll, you remember what happened eight years ago, three days ago. Yeah. You remember that. You rem- we all remember exactly where we were when that happened. Yeah. But if you remember, you know, if you and I 18 years ago, we both remember what we were doing the day of the sandwich. Probably not. I think it's kind of like that. The you have to brain. Tell me what day that was? I don't even know. I think it was the probably. Brain, I, think you, I think you probably disappeared for a few days and then suddenly showed back up, and people were like, "Where the hell have what? you been?" The brain has so many levels and so many layers of you know, not only just you know, I guess uh, filters of perception. To where I'm not, I'm not paying attention to the guy with the jackhammer. I'm not worrying about the fact that. 
there's this stress over here. I don't have any money or there's no money in the bank account, whatever it is. There's this stress over here. My wife wants to kill me with a hammer. Whatever. Your brain can filter that out and focus. Yeah. Have you ever been really depressed and then started working on something that made you happy and you were happy until you realized that you weren't supposed to be happy? Mm-hmm. It's called MajorSpoilers.com. That happened to me (laughs) so many times. My mom passed away about three years ago. Yeah. And I remember one day being very upset because my brain just – Yeah, it filtered the point where I was so focused on whatever was going on in my life that I wasn't upset. I wasn't sad that day. And it bothered me that my brain was able to process this and go and not be sad anymore. And I think it's kind of like that. If the brain doesn't have those filters, whatever they're doing, if you've sat up for 16 hours, 18 days, and you're seeing lifeless ghost dogs on roller skates running through the parking lot of the hospital, I think really part of that comes from your brain no longer filtering. Everything that's going on in your brain is just kind of blah. Yeah, automatically experienced. Yeah. Yeah, and that's I, I think that's part of where that the intensity of that creative process or the intensity of that almost hallucination process comes from is that it's so immediate because you don't have the ability to just say, oh, well, you come to a stop sign when you're driving to work one day, somebody nearly cuts you off and you nearly die. And then five minutes later, you go to work and you're fine. Yeah. Your brain doesn't have the ability to do that anymore when you're in that sleep-deprived state. It doesn't have the ability to break it down, and all of a sudden, you know, the Boston song triggers the image of the rocket, and your brain turns you into Buzz Aldrin in your brain. And it's it's so vivid and it's so real that even afterwards, your brain, the portion of my brain that experienced that moment, that little dream state, still says that happened. That absolutely happened. That's the so, way my brain works. I do think it's funny that uh, Matt, Matthew's trips basically end with dun dun chicka dun dun chicka dun dun dun. So and a wailing around, guitar solo. Flip that around the other way. How vivid are your dreams? We kind of talked about this. Well, actually, Lately? it wasn't a show. It wasn't a show that we were ever released. In fact, it got right. deleted. So. Mm, Lately, probably for a good reason. Probably. They've been worse. Yeah, there were some things in there. All right. My well, we'll just, how about we just leave it at that then, and we can bring up that dream discussion. Yeah, we can talk about dreams later. No, yeah. we can do it. We yeah, I it. think we're at enough time. I think no, maybe, I'll I don't know, maybe we've provided some food for thought for people mm-hmm. to contemplate this. I'm going to go do drugs. <laughs> well, I mean, no. sandwiches. <laughs> let's take a moment and let's say clearly, Major spoilers and its associates do not condone the use of illegal substances for any reason. Please do not feel that in any way we are endorsing or in, you know, getting involved in any type of discussions regarding substance abuse. Things which may or may not have happened cannot be used against you in a court of law. Well, Thank you, Drew. Well, you know, statute of limitations are... Uh, it's a hundred. Second thing, furthermore, I will say that personally... I've never done drugs beyond, you know, the alcohol, the tobacco, mm-hmm. the caffeine. And the rock I've and roll. The rock and roll. Rock but and I don't have a problem if people do do drugs as long you have as the rock and roll and the boogie you know, boogie in blues. an environment that's safe. Mm-hmm. So, And, yeah. you know, there's nothing wrong with not I'm not doing somebody drugs that's anti-drug. Other drugs. Which, that's you know, now Tipper Gore is going to be mad at me again. <sighs> Freaking Tipper Gore. Oh, <sighs> uh, it's all right. No Her stance on video games makes me angry. <laughs> all right, everybody. I, 
I want to hear what you guys think of, think on this topic. You know, whether you have to be in an altered state to create think, great yeah. stuff or not. And, uh, you know, give us your feedback. Or does an altered state allow you to create greater stuff? Well, that is a good question. We haven't even touched on the mental state. You know, look at Vincent Van Gogh. Uh, and other people who, mm. I mean, Robert E. Howard was depressed, Van Gogh was depressed, and somewhat yeah. schizophrenic. Yeah. Uh, and look at the stuff that they created. So, oh, yeah. post it on the forums, majorspoilers.com. That's right. Oh man, you just opened the floodgates. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at majorspoilers.com. Visit majorspoilers at majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash majorspoilers and on MySpace at myspace.com slash majorspoilers. Major Spoilers Podcast, copyright 2009.